Hi, everybody. I'm Johnny Kolosinski, and I'm not a doctor. Jackson Vane is a doctor, but he's probably not your doctor. That means that this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact a medical professional. And when you do, please tell them to subscribe to Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine Podcast. Hi everybody, I'm Jackson Vane. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as I Can't Believe It's Not Butters, an inaccurate oral history of South Park. God damn it, that's terrible. <laughs> Uh, this is Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine Podcast. Jackson, what will we discuss this week? So we're going to talk about the 2006 action, American action film, Crank. I would call it an American action classic. (laughs) And we have a wonderful guest once again, Dr. Greg Winter. Hello. Uh, so what made you guys decide that Crank was the next movie for us to go with? I'm going to have Greg break this down because... He feels that this is an action classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I th- I think um, this is a movie where it seems like there's going to be a whole lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, we it, it's it's about somebody who has to basically keep taking speed or keep getting adrenaline in order for the story to progress. And it just felt like, of course, there's got to be some stuff to talk about in here. What's the total totally accurate medical synopsis of Crank? <laughs> Explain, as a doctor, what's happening in Crank. There is no way to explain as a doctor. (laughs) A guy gets drugged, or a guy gets poisoned, wakes up, finds out he has X amount of time to live, and is figuring out how to extend that time. Yeah. I mean, I... There's nothing accurate. (laughs) No. He's given a Beijing cocktail. Yes. Which, if, uh, if I remember from the movie, according to my notes, it... Acts on the adrenal glands and blocks the receptors, making you not live anymore, basically. I think that was the extent of it. They didn't really explain more yeah, they, than that. It's probably a good thing that they didn't explain much more yeah. than that. It's uh, They touch on it enough for you to, to move on from it, yeah. basically. And, and I think this movie starts out with a bang. Just with how they... He wakes up kind of groggy. It's, it's a first-person view. And then um, you see the video, and the guy takes, the, again, the biggest freaking needle <laughs> possible and injects it right into his neck. And um, I'm not, like, a surgeon or anything like that, but that's not going to hit anything. <laughs> no, that's all. There's all soft, soft tissue back there, or uh, you're going to puncture a lung, kind of, depending on what you're doing. Through the neck? Well, he wasn't really on his neck. If you, it's it's just like an off perspective shot, so you can't see that nothing is happening. But it's just like if you're a little bit off to the side, there's there's lungs, yeah, really? lung that's up there. And your lung does go above your or near your clavicle, or okay. your collarbone. But the other thing is with that size needle, it's like the Uma Thurman effect again. It's probably going to go straight through it. <laughs> it's going to just come right out the other yeah. side. <laughs> but I think the way the gangster explained it before we knew it was a Beijing cocktail, what it was some, and I quote. High-tech, sci-fi, Chinese, synthetic stuff <laughs> that binds to your blood cells and then it will kill you. Oh. Right. Very Trexplained. It's perfect. Yes. That's the brief and simple explanation of that, which most medications that I know do not bind to blood cells um, because then it would be completely ineffective. There's very few things that can bind to blood cells and cause issues. Would have to be trying to affect the blood cells themselves. And, I mean, that would be effective in its own right. You could... If all your blood cells are affected, 
something is going to happen to you. Yeah, they could have called this like um, I don't know what the I, if they injected carbon monoxide into him, that would have killed him. Liquid carbon monoxide <laughs> or cyanide in that matter that would have binded to blood cells and killed him too. Um, so what's the effect that the drug has other than it's going to kill him? There's there's a specific plot point that is somehow present. So the whole plot point for this movie was that he needs to have adrenaline pumping through his veins at all times to keep himself alive. Uh, we tried to get an endocrinologist on, on the show, by the way, and they just started crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we. I had to go back and look up some stuff. So your, your adrenal glands are endocrine glands. They sit on the top of your kidneys. You have two adrenal glands. And they do a whole bunch of stuff for you. They control your blood pressure. Pressure. They control your sex hormones. They control your um, electrolytes. Electro and your electrolytes. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, they regulate your metabolism. And the movie is basically saying, like, "Hey, without without this stuff going on, you're gonna die." Yeah. And so basically, you have to get your body to to keep producing it in order to keep producing, producing it. it it's very yeah. it's very poorly discussed in the movie yeah and i think it's kind of the doctor who was very busy um being in las vegas with nice ladies of the <laughs> night uh, flying back was saying that the drug itself binds to the adrenal gland and blocks receptors which it's really hard to block receptors and then use that as a feedback to make more adrenaline to keep yourself alive so you're basically turning off the stoplight or messing up or permanently keeping the stoplight at red and not allowing the body to make more adrenaline so all these risky activities that he's doing is not going to do anything because right. the it's already blocked yeah how can you make a stress response if the thing that's in charge of your stress response is broken or blocked okay that's the part that was making my brain melt a little bit like wait a minute this wouldn't work no and it's kind of interesting with all the stuff that he does to take, to stay alive. And we can kind of break down some of that stuff to see. Like, cocaine, it does... It's it's a synthetic. It's a synthetic stimulant. And it certainly would get your heart moving fast. Um, but it's its own... Uh, it, it's got its own things that it's setting off in your body. It's, it's not hitting your adrenal gland, per se. So it's hard... I mean, it's hard to say that that would matter. So you're doing something that's that's kind of stimulating you... But it's not affecting your adrenal gland directly. No. It, it stimulates you like adrenaline, but it is not right. actually yes. creating or preventing the reuptake of adrenaline. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So it acts on the same similar receptors. And he barely does any cocaine in the first place because most of it is on the floor. In but the they said he did several grams of cocaine. He might have bought several grams. Most of it's on the floor in that bathroom. What about energy pills and drinks and stuff like that? I, I mean, yeah, this this movie is basically paid for by Rockstar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a, Rockstar's in the credits at the end. Yeah, there were Catholic Rockstar's in the credits in the end, possibly above Jason Statham, <laughs> <laughs> which made no sense at all. I mean, you the caffeine does kind of cause a little bit of stimulation and it does act on different receptors, but you still don't get that stress response that you need to keep yourself alive. Like we don't use caffeine to keep you alive if you came into the hospital with cardiac arrest. Like, we use other drugs, mainly epinephrine, mm -hmm. to bring yourself back to life. Um, and then all the risky behaviors he did, which just... We'll get... We'll but actually, the risky... I mean, that is the right sort of... Like, that's how you're... When you're in a risky situation, that is when your body's response sets off your adrenal glands to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Except for, supposedly, this drug 
won't let that happen. So I think the most accurate part is him having to go to the hospital to get this uh, epinephrine or adrenaline, which, I mean, the hospital has both of those. Or ephedrine. Ephedrine. Not ephedrine. Oh, God. (laughs) That was probably the cringiest part was listening to the supposed doctor, but he was called Doc Miles, so who knows what his credentials are, saying ephedrine over and over again. And it took all of us turning on the subtitles to figure out exactly what drug he was talking about. Like, oh. oh, ephedrine. Ephedrine. And um, ephedrine, we do use that sometimes in the hospital. Um, but it was also used as a diet pill back then and actually was one of those that killed people. <laughs> I think, if I remember correctly, I think that was one of the main components in Fen-Fen, which, oh. which killed you. I believe you're right. Yeah. So we don't use ephedrine that much anymore in diet pills but we do use it for nasal sprays and the main reason why is if you have nosebleeds that that causes vasoconstriction and can... so just like cocaine as we talked about before so an old-timey remedy for nosebleeds was cocaine right yeah constricts your blood vessels yeah I, and also recently when i was working at another hospital when we put lidocaine in a gel on like wounds it was called tac which was tetracaine, adrenaline, and cocaine. Oh, okay. So we were advised never to use it on inside their kids' lips or in their nose. Or else they'd come back to the hospital every week. They got real happy, but then it got really hard to sew their cuts because they were very... <laughs> Too energetic. jittery. Yeah, like super jittery. So we couldn't use TAC anymore. Um, I know some places still would use it, not at my current hospital, but at other hospitals I've used TAC before. Let's support our Patreon and we'll give you a list. That's a lie. <laughs> that, I mean, he'll have the list. I'm not giving that out anywhere. <laughs> um, I think for something good that happened, though, was Doc Miles asking questions um, to Chev Chelios about his symptoms, trying to kind of suss out what was going on. And those are some good questions. That was like the first actual bit of doctoring that we've seen on any of this. Yeah, yeah that might be the like, first actual bit of doctoring we've covered on this show. A patient calls you with a problem and instead of just being, you know, instead of an immediate diagnosis, he's like, okay, well, tell me what's going on. Granted, I think he only gets two questions out. Yeah. Well, at that point in time, Jason Satham is driving through a mall. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I would say that that's a symptom that something's going on right there. And yes, I th- I think he asked him. Um, what does he say? He like, says like, do you have blurry vision and uh, you feel, does your chest hurt? Yeah. He also asks like, do you feel tired? Do you feel dizzy? It's like, sure. Do I have chest pain? It's the best I've ever felt. Kind of <laughs> so, like that. Oh, that sounds like that makes that really widens your differential. Like, oh, something is really wrong, but also he's feeling the best he's ever felt. Yeah. And, I mean, those are definitely questions that you ask someone who's having a heart attack. Like, are they dizzy? Because that means the blood's not getting to the brain. The chest pain is self-explanatory. Um, but the dizziness is the one that sometimes people forget about, too. So that was, like, a good kind of... I think the first time we've talked about good doctoring. <laughs> oh, my God. In the history I'm, of this podcast. I'm making quote fingers. I'm going to say adequate doctoring. Or at least doctoring with intent. To solve something. <laughs> that is fair. But then he follows it up with the worst advice ever, which was to go to the hospital to get artificial <laughs> adrenaline Correct. called epinephrine, which um, I know in med school we were taught it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it all, I mean, the dosing makes no sense either. It's so, it's, so it's artificial adrenaline the way... The oxygen you get is artificial air. Yeah, or the insulin you get is artificial insulin because it's not coming from your body. 
But the drug is still a drug, you know? It's still a molecule that does what it needs to do. And then he tells him to take a fifth of a syringe of epinephrine. That's that's pretty general for such a potent medication. Yeah. <laughs> what size syringe are we talking about here? What are we talking turkey baster? Turkey baster syringe would be good. It will probably kill him. And medicines like that, any medicine that's in liquid form also has different concentrations. Concentra- yeah. And so that makes a yeah. big difference. <laughs> I mean, the difference between... Um, the allergic dose, the anaphylaxis dose of adrenaline is 10 times different than the dose that you get in a code situation. So it's either diluted 1 to 1,000 or 1 to 10,000. Okay. <laughs> so there's a huge difference between the two. Like mm-hmm. one, if you inject into the veins, if you do the more concentrated version of the veins, it'll just clamp your blood vessels down and you're dead. Yeah. So you always got to make sure you're using the right dose. So that's one part. Jason then, Statham, take note. Yeah. For crank three. Also, remember the name of the drug you're trying to steal yeah, from yeah. the hospital. E, that's e. a good way. And then the guy from Lincoln Park, rest in peace, just points at the nasal spray and goes, use that stuff. Is that, is that accurate? What? That that he could get uh, epinephrine from Well, it wasn't spray. epinephrine, though. It was ephedrine. Ephedrine. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. And that's a, that is still in some nasal sprays and... But it's not enough of a volume that will help. And I don't know why he kept spraying in his nose when he could just crank it open and just drink it. Because it would have worked the same exact way. Because there's no reason to spend that extra time spraying into the nose. So it's kind of hard to get that cap off. So It is. It is kind of hard. But also, what kind of regular pharmacy would actually just leave the ephedrine just wide open like that because sometimes they keep that stuff in the back because of meth making issues Mm -hmm. and to the point where they don't use ephedrine as much anymore in nasal sprays anymore they use a different one which i can't say the word really well oxymetalone i can't say it i'm just as good as a doctor all i know is my (laughs) nasal spray does not work as well as it used to that's what i know and yeah it does not like for me like flonase all that stuff different acting mechanisms and stuff like that doesn't work as well but one thing I, there was one really big pet peeve that I have, you know, working in an ER is just people running into the hospital with patients. Yeah. In, in movies. In movies, yes. Because we don't run in the hospital. Ever. Yeah. It's, it's very dramatic to see and like, oh, look at this emergency. But that's just not, if everyone was running whenever there was an emergency in a hospital, everyone would always be running. You have to be calm and collected for many reasons. But also so that you don't cause other injuries and problems. Yeah. It's so easy to barrel someone down with a gurney into other patients. But also, if you have a bunch of, like, ventilators and all that stuff, you don't know if the person carrying pushing the ventilator is as fast as you. <laughs> so that could disconnect and make the most annoying you don't, sound You don't ever. base your teams on the average running speed? No. Unfortunately. And that isn't to say we don't sometimes walk really quickly with purpose, but that's very different from running anywhere. But you start learning what that ventilator disconnection noise is real soon. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Nonstop. Yeah. ER, ICU, I know Greg probably listens to that sometimes when he does his palliative care stuff, but I hear it all the yeah. time. So that stuff gets really, really annoying. Um, I mean, also, um, in this movie, you see paramedics and patients coming in the hospital through the same door. That's not a thing. Paramedics have their own door. They're coming in through the ambulance it, it, ambulance bay doors. Like a, with a loading dock, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you don't want those two things together for many reasons, but one of them is... People that have been worked up by paramedics have also, like, their stuff has already started. They're coming in to, to 
to be placed in a room and to have their care continued. Whereas if you're just walking into the, the main ER, you're basically like coming in to say, oh, I have a stomachache or whatever is going on. Yeah. And you're just at different points in the care process. So there's no reason for them to come in the same way. You, you keep them separate to keep things, uh, keep things organized. Yeah. I also think it also not going through the general entrance removes the looky-loo kind of situation. Because <laughs> gapers well, delay at the ER. Yeah. <laughs> people stare so much in the emergency department. Like, we'll have a code in one room, and families will open the door and just go look over there and try to get a look of what's going on because they think it's really exciting. And most of the time, this is the worst day of a lot of people's lives, and you don't want other people that don't need to be there looking at it. And then, um, you know, I always get the question, so how to go in there? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you, why are you asking me this? I wouldn't tell you what happened if it was your kid, but that's a big, another big reason why you shouldn't go through the general entrance. You should be using the special entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, kind gonna, of, well, I was going to say, like, you, you run codes. I, I think I did one code in all of my training. I don't know how I got away with that, mm-hmm. but. I mean, you lucky guy. I know. In this, so in this movie, they track down a guy with a code cart. He's trying to steal medication from him. Yeah. Can you? Can, and then, can you explain the code cart? Well, first, the guy with the code cart is uh, Dennis. Dennis from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's <laughs> remarkably young. He looks yeah. very young. Yeah. This was this movie this was, was like, 2006. Yeah, like 13 years ago. This was the top movie of 2006. If you discount. Uh, the Departed. The, the 96 other movies. Yeah, above it. so many other movies. Um, um, so a code is called when a patient is is crashing. And that can be for many reasons. Usually, in I mean, the hospital things that you worry about first is is airway breathing circulation. So if any of those things are, are kind of going downhill and you can't do anything about it with what you have, then you call a code. And so sort of the emergency resuscitation team, it, it comes comes to there. Yeah, and the cart itself has a lot of stuff in it, like a lot of different medications that you need in an emergency situation to bring them back to life. And um, sometimes it comes with the defibrillator on there, which we'll, talk, we'll touch on <laughs> in a little bit. But there were certain medications that uh, Jason Statham called out on, and I'm not really sure why that stuff's in there, like Nexium. When are you going to have critical heartburn? <laughs> also, Nexium takes forever to work. It takes at least 24 hours to actually do something. And then Lortab. Like, if you're in that much pain, you need something a little more than Lortab. You wouldn't be using Lortab. You'd be what using... is Lortab? It's, like, it's a pain medication with a little bit of opiates in it. It's like Tylenol Plus, almost, if you think of it that way. But it's just a little extra bonus. Like, I probably would use morphine if you had a heart attack because there's, like, an algorithm for that, too. And if you have a code cart, there's probably morphine. Morphine in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You definitely don't want to give something that's a liquid medication that needs to be, like, swallowed. <laughs> yeah. If you're dead. Yeah, when when you're worried about airway, breathing, and yes, circulation, exactly. it's yeah, not exactly. here, drink this Maalox. And uh, I think a lot of people might think that a code is like, oh, that means they're going to come and they're going to do chest compressions and this. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It means... One of those parameters is failing, and so we're going to start doing stuff. And a lot of times that means you need to get access. So that means instead of having an IV, you do like a central line, which is a bigger line. Um, and and so like you do need you. There's like scalpels on the on the code cart. There's a bunch of different types of tubing. There basically it's prepared to send you to the ICU to get to get things going to get you to the the intensive yeah. care unit. And usually, if we're transporting a critically ill patient, we don't wheel a whole cart around. We have the, <laughs> we have a bag. And the yeah. bag has everything. It's like a life pack. We call it a life pack. So it has the monitors. It has a port so we can put stickers on your chest that can potentially shock you because we don't use those paddles anymore. 
but then all the medications and actually a sheet with their dosing um, according to their weight, if it's a child or dosing for an adult. But then kind of touching back on codes in a pediatric hospital, um, sometimes code blues are called for parents that just pass out. Really? Yes. So like, <laughs> like you're on like, the like mom can't stay on the side of blood, dad yes. can't stay on the side of blood. Bad news got given, so they pass out and they get brought down to the ER. And then everyone panics upstairs. Sorry if you're a floor nurse or a doctor. Um, but we get that all the time in our emergency department where someone passes out and they get brought down to us. But I I mean unfortunately, yes, people should panic. It's like, oh, we don't know what happened. There's been a sudden change in someone's condition. You have I mean, you're in the hospital. If someone goes from upright to right. 90 degrees exactly. that's generally uh, indicative of a thing yes exactly exactly it's an acute status change right your angle changed <laughs> <laughs> your angle changed immediately it was acute and now oh i'm so fired oh, oh yeah it was acute and now it's right <laughs> oh god we are not a math podcast oh. um can we touch on one of your favorite parts during this we're still in the hospital mind you mm-hmm. when he got shocked and he's holding a gun Yes. Okay. That came <laughs> also, I want to say we brought we brought this up before. We talked about it before. We're like hospitals. There's never enough people in them. There's actually a, an acceptable amount of people. There's they're actually clearly taking care of someone that's somewhere in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I think we saw nine or ten different staffers. There it's, was the nurse who pointed him out to the cops. There's the pharmacist. It's the only time in this movie where it was adequately crowded. Because the hospital is adequately, crowd, uh, adequately crowded, but the, the streets of L.A. were yeah. completely empty. <laughs> I want this drug just so that I can get somewhere in L.A. Yeah, because all the streets will clear wide open, mm-hmm. and then you can just drive all the way down, stand on a motorcycle, and just kind of stand like Jesus. Stand like Jesus, and then uh, hit a lovely sidewalk cafe. Exactly. Reminded me more of Jack from the Titanic with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jack and Rose. Um... So in that so, scene, so in where, that scene. Yeah, when when he's kind of robbing the the code cart, um, there's some cops down the hall, and he's holding you know he's holding his gun, and he wants the guy to shock him to kind of give him this adrenaline burst. And um, so when I, I mean, it is electricity when they when they shock your heart to get it out of an arrhythmia, they are they're basically trying to stop it for one second so it can kind of get back into normal rhythm. And whenever you get electricity through your system, all of your muscles contract. Everything contracts without... You You don't get to control it, which is why people, when they get hit with a taser, they just kind of collapse to the ground. Um, it's also why if somebody's getting electrocuted, you don't hit them, you you smack them with a broom or something. Right, exactly. You, you, if you touch them, the same thing's going to happen to you. Yeah. Um, it's why if you somebody's holding a gun on you, you don't want to shock them because their finger is going to squeeze the trigger no matter what. doesn't matter what they do. It is possible in this case that this guy had the safety on his gun, but it wasn't because he immediately started firing it when he woke up. Yeah. One oh, second Also, later. from there's some intense character development in this movie, and Jason Satham is not a leave the safety on guy. <laughs> you are very. I was I was kind of going to say that, but it felt like I was rushing to judgment. Also, I mean, he was in a shooting situation. Yeah, people were advancing on him. That is not where you are going to put the safety but he, on, in my opinion. But he does plan very well because when he was in the hospital, he changed into hospital gown and did not and wear underwear. He did not wear underwear. He went, which is I full mean, patient. That's. He's committed, right? Yep. And so that's why I feel like his safety was not on. I feel like 
somebody was getting shot. The other or thing, at least the gun was going to go. And off. I would say the other thing, too, is he probably would have gotten some really bad burns on his hand, too, with the gun and the metal and whatnot. I'm going to say he would have gotten a slightly worse burn when he put his hand in the waffle iron. That's oh, going to be where he got a bad burn. Yeah. Oh, God, the waffle iron. Uh, <laughs> Before we get to the waffle iron, can we just talk about how he injected the epinephrine into his arm? I think we should. It's, it, it was not acute. It was not it, acute. And I was. It was the bah. ninety degree angle. It was the shooter, shooter. angle. It yep. was the shooter angle. So if you go back to our episode about shooter, and we talked about how Mark Wahlberg injected medicine into his arm, he went straight into the elbow. Well, we'll toss a screenshot on our Instagram. Uh, hi everybody, MD, which I should have pitched at the beginning of the episode. You'll but hear it again I was at the end. Really excited. You'll hear it. At, you'll hear it again at the end, though. But he went straight into there, and epinephrine can be given. In different ways that are much easier than just trying to inject it. Also, he kind of did the whole drug thing where he's smacking the vein, but he didn't really you know, have a tourniquet off. or anything like that either. But the the easier way would have been just stab it into your leg. Yeah, he can he could have you can go intermuscular with that and be okay. That's why it's a really good. It's a good he drug. didn't know what it was called, so he might not have known that. I'm he also this one to, didn't. To I don't Jason know what this is called. Him. Better put it right in my veins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, he didn't know how much a fifth was. And he just used the entire thing. Yeah. Which caused him to have an erection, which I've never heard of epinephrine causing erections before. It sounded really good, though. He, he really, he explained it with one line again. It, it will not cause, it will cause urinary sphincter contraction. Your urinary sphincter will be contracted. Yeah. But your urinary sphincter does not control your I, erection. Yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what keeps the flow of urine back. Yeah. Anyways, can we talk... Okay, speaking of hand burns, let's go back to the... Uh, actually, before we go hand burns, I okay. want to go uh, lack of hand burns. Okay. And uh, <laughs> the, the the mafioso whose name I didn't even catch, uh, who gets his hand cut off. Oh, his bro- the brother of the yeah. guy who injected him in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> got his hand chopped off by a cleaver. Mm-hmm. With his hands still connected to the gun. With his hands, he, he continued gripping the gun, and then he punched people with his stump. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I think that I mean, that's frowned so he So his adrenaline system is still working. Somebody there. cuts your hand <laughs> yeah. off. So part of what that response system is, is it clamps down your blood vessels, it gets you ready for fight or flight. Yeah. Like you are, that's why people can do crazy things when, when they are under extreme stress and getting your hand cut off, I think would qualify. But that is the cleanest nub. And that is the other thing. <laughs> to get that kind of cut, you would have to hit, bet- basically it would have to be a really sharp cleaver and you would have to be very strong or you would have to hit right where the bones are separated. Granted... It is possible to do that. It's just unlikely for that to happen during that type of fight. What if he had a lightsaber cleaver? So if he, so it would be a little bit different if he had a lightsaber cleaver. Then the wound would immediately be cauterized, right? The lightsaber is kind of burning everything. In this case, this is just like if you cut your hand on a knife. You would be pouring blood. Oh, yeah. You would be pouring blood. You, so he's gone through the, the, the wrist. What are the blood vessels in there? There's some big ones in there. You got some big blood vessels that supply your hand. <laughs> that was ten years, more than ten years ago when I took anatomy. I do end of life care now. <laughs> <laughs> so that I mean, your hand is is highly vascularized. Your fingers are very sensitive. You need blood to do all that sensing that that your hands and fingers do. And if you just cut that off with a clean cut and didn't do it, didn't put pressure on, didn't do anything, you would be po- like spurting and pouring blood. 
I, w- uh, I will say that is some clean fighting. Because <laughs> he punched a lot of people with his nubbins <laughs> and he did not leave a bloodstain anywhere until he got shot. Until he got yeah. shot. And then it was the appropriate amount of blood again. But, yeah, it, felt, it felt like that was an appropriate amount yeah. of blood. I mean, if there's anything we've discussed on this podcast is, is there enough blood? And is that an appropriate amount of blood? Right. <laughs> and generally the answer is surprisingly, no, everyone should bleed more all the time. Yeah. Which, yeah, that guy should have bled so much more. Like, he should have died from Yeah, he, that he should have been woozy and passing out from that injury very, very quickly. So you would say he was he would be woozier than Chef Chelios? Well, yeah. <laughs> Chef, Chef Chelios was, was going. His heart rate was up. So that means everything's would fine. Would you say he was world. cranked? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got a drink when you say Dude, that. Oh, God. Do we know what Chev Chelios' first name is? Is he like a Chevstifer or Chevwick? I think it's Chevy. <laughs> I hope it's Chevwick. Chevwick? <laughs> that sounds amazing. Chevwick Chelios. Chevington? Che- only, only my the mother fourth. calls me Chevwick. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Chevwick, uh, Chevwick getting into trouble to, when he goes to his girlfriend's house, who I'm surprised did not call him Chevwick, um, <laughs> had to get re-energized fixing her clock on her microwave because of daylight saving time or something yeah he was really bored fixing the clock so he decides to put his hand in the uh, the waffle waffle iron and that was not on i i mean the waffle iron is like a it's a toaster oven with two metal pieces that you clamp together it's a george foreman grill it's it is a george foreman the old george foreman grill i I really think that our audience knows what a waffle iron is. But it's like, so that thing is really hot. It's not like a little bit hot. It's, I mean, it's meant to cook dough very quickly. I mean, it's not crazy hot, but it's hot enough to burn you. And so if you're going to put your hand in there and then also slam it down, you are going to have a serious burn. And I mean, he does, they, they even show that reaction. They, and, and that's as quickly as it would show up when you have a, when you have a really bad burn, you start to, you can see that red, like checkerboard pattern on his hand from the waffle iron in the next scene. It is immediately gone. Also, but it's there in the final scene. Oh, really? Yeah. As he's falling out of the plane, you see it. I wasn't paying enough attention. That's hilarious. That's, hey, that's good continuity. (laughs) But I mean, throughout kind of the scenes after that, they just ignore it. And it is one of those things where. That would be a it would be a swollen mess of dripping, of goo. blistering grossness. It it's another episode where something would be too puffy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the and I don't think sparks would come about when he got his hands clamped down, That's... unless it's a really faulty waffle. <laughs> yeah, iron. but I would think it would be sparky already. Can you imagine if she was making waffles on that on like, that spark? Like yeah. that would be a reason to turn in your waffle iron. Yeah, we need a new waffle iron. Now. Yeah. Um, and he has his hand in there for like 15 seconds. Yeah, it's a long it's, time. Yeah. It's a long time. You can And you can have a serious burn from touching like a flat iron or a hot plate with just for a second. He, mm-hmm. he also would have been melded to the wall. Oh, that's iron. true. His skin would have... like uh, It would have been horrible. Yeah. That would have been the grossest thing in the movie. And that would probably keep his adrenaline going for a good 20 minutes of this movie. So and just then he would have lost the hand. Yeah. You would, would see bone. You would, would see bone. bone. They probably would need to chop it off. It would smell like... It would smell delicious. <laughs> I'm a meat eater. <laughs> smell like the bacon? Yeah. Oh, man. And then, I mean, I can see where this is all going towards, and it's towards the ending right now. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of other random stuff where he does more cocaine. 
fights more people. I think he gets shot in the butt. He probably did get shot in the butt. But then he goes uh, to the ending and he fights the guy who injected him with the medication initially on the helicopter. And he gets injected with more medication. Yeah, and we were talking about that a little bit and not really sure what, like... It's if his adrenal if his adrenal glands are already inhibited, they're gonna be inhibited. There's there isn't more to do. Yeah. Um, it does kind of make him fall asleep again long enough to load him on a helicopter, but then everything is fine. Yeah. Or at least he's back to his fighting stance pretty quickly. Yeah. He's back to everything is wrecked stance. <laughs> yeah. And if you imply that this medication is an irreversible binder. Injecting more stuff that's already bound to the, the receptors that are blocked is not going to do anything. It's just going to make him angrier, probably, because he got stabbed in the neck with a they needle. Did, they did stab him in the neck again, which there's no... That just feels gratuitous. Yeah. You could have stabbed him anywhere. Yeah. Nope. For dramatic parts. Stabs him in the neck. And it's so clean. There's never any blood when you stab him in the neck. There's so many vessels there. He should be, again, a bloody mess. And he probably could have ruptured a lung or a blood vessel. And that probably would have killed him. But instead, the thing that didn't kill also, him... he's surrounded by people with... Whatever. That's what a movie know. That's a movie problem. That's not a medical problem. <laughs> that is true. But can we talk about a not really a medical problem was when they fell out of the plane? Helicopter. Sorry. When they fell out of the helicopter? Yes. Um, so, sort of the joke in medicine is it's not the fall that kills you. It's the It's The, the landing. Stop. Yeah. Um, I mean, they set this movie up beautifully. He bounces off the car, so his body doesn't liquefy, which is probably what would have happened because he fell. He definitely reached terminal velocity. He had time to make a call, listen through <laughs> the voicemail. Through and, blazing wind. Yeah, and then leave a voicemail. Also, I know we're not a physics podcast, but how come a guy who got killed fell faster than him? <laughs> that's, that's, well, he could be laying out to try to give himself some more... But he wasn't, because he had his phone held to his ear. We're not a physics podcast. Yeah. We're not a physics podcast. I heard talking on your cell phone makes you fall slower. It's, it's uh, I think, Mythbusters confirmed this. <laughs> yep. um, but, but yeah, so he, he hits the ground, and he bounces... And uh, then, you know, right before the end, then he, you know, you hear his heartbeat and he blinks. Bat- uh, what is that? Batman and, and Superman stole the same ending, right? Didn't they? Or is that, I'm reading the comic book. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, with that kind of landing onto the car, he should have not bounced so high. He, sh- he would not have bounced. He would have gone, he Straight would have killed the, the p- person driving that car. Yeah. He would have, his body would have turned to a fine powder. Now, I'm not a doctor, but doesn't blocking your adrenal glands also make your bones adamantium? Right. Yes. <laughs> Legitimate, okay. yes. But that's what I mean. He would have hit that and he would have just turned into like either a bag Ooh. of mush or a broken bag of mush that's leaking everything out. That was um, actually one of my first patients I saw at the coroner's office was a guy who jumped out of a building. Jackson. <laughs> he did not survive like Chuck Chelios, and but he did not get the Beijing cocktail. And I mean, the main thing about this is... The reason why you are killed from a fall is because of the injuries that happen inside of your body. So people can actually fall off of stuff and they don't look so bad, but they they seriously rupture blood vessels. They break bones that can tear blood vessels. And they can also really... Um, the, the major blood vessels that come off your heart, the aorta and the pulmonary artery, those can actually shear from the heart. And yeah. if, you, if that happens, you, you die almost instantaneously... You're just like your entire blood volume kind of kind of pours out, but it pours out inside of you. Yeah, it's like the like blast injuries. Like you don't see anything on the outside, 
Right. But inside, they are just a water balloon of blood. <laughs> uh, exactly. Kind of like when someone has a grenade go off, and so they throw a slightly fatter person on top of the grenade. That is another thing that happened in this movie. Um, I, what can I say? There, I, I know of a war story where someone did that to protect their squadron, right? That's like, a, there's a... Yeah. There's a, they tested it on Mythbusters, too. Right. So, that, I mean, that's the thing you can do. You can protect yeah. yourself by sacrificing water someone, slows else, down, someone else. Water does slow down a lot of shrapnel and kind of explosive things. And your body is mainly water, so that actually can happen. Um, but that guy that used the other guy to block it, he would too be, much blood on that guy. Yeah. No, it wouldn't. If it didn't blow that guy up underneath him, then he shouldn't be covered in blood. Yeah. And if he was covered in that much blood, he should be really. He should be. He should be much more covered. In yeah. Blood. And he and not a lot. So that would be the other part. He didn't make it to the end. No. <laughs> For other reasons, though. So, do I get to ask the question? Yeah, I guess you do ask the question. This is, this is, I've been looking forward to this all day. How do we make Crank medically accurate? God. It's a challenge. Do we have an answer? No. I don't. I, okay. So, the couple ways. One, either, like, either this is some crazy thing that stimulates your adrenal gland and Everything goes off, and basically, you're you have a heart attack because you're, you have too much demand on your heart. Um, or it's like the like your body is meant to work together with everything else, and you can't just eliminate one thing. And so it's, it's like if you gave somebody a drug that shut down one of your organs, then you die. You just die. It's yeah. there's there's none of the other stuff after the poisoning. It just oh now your body isn't working together. I would also say this movie would have ended a lot quicker, too. Yes, that guy exactly. just used the bat. Because <laughs> <laughs> the opening scene was, he got injected with a drug, and the guy who got his hand cut off later in the movie had a baseball bat and was just holding it over him. That's it's true. I mean, it's <clears throat> it's like the James Bond villain. Like, what? Like, just kill the guy. You have the guy, kill him. You don't need to do the rest of this stuff. Yeah. And we did kind of do some research, like, are there drugs that block epinephrine and stuff like that? And there are certain drugs that block norepinephrine, and it's usually... What's norepinephrine? <clears throat> it's also, like, it also is produced by your adrenal gland and regulates other things in your body as well. Um, is ephedrine one of those drugs that drop blocks? No. Ephedrine is... It acts it's on... not real. It acts on... No. Efe- ephedrine is. Ephedrine, no. Ephedrine, Yes. But it acts on um, other receptors. Mainly, I think it's alpha receptors that help with um, maintaining your blood pressure. And we use that sometimes to in acute situations where your blood pressure is kind of going down really quickly. And we need something to tie you over just so that we can get a drip going of epinephrine or some other kind of basal pressure. Let me say this. The, the, so the adrenal glands are part of the endocrine system. The endocrine system is really, really complicated. Yes. We are both doctors. It is not part of our specialty. No. There are things that we're not going to say properly here. No. But please try to look. Like, it's really complicated. It controls a lot of it's stuff. It's a lot of body. pathways. And if you break one pathway, right. it messes up every single other pathway that goes on. That goes on. And also other pathways that depend on that pathway, which might not have had anything to actually do with that pathway. Yeah. Now, is there a way that... For some reason, they could inject him with something that would require him to have have an adrenaline response consistently, where this is the way he can work it out of his system or keep it from... It's called cocaine. Oh, okay. (laughs) Or meth. 
Um, uh, those would be the two that would definitely keep him amped for a long time. And then when he's coming down, he'll probably slow down. But, I mean, they did do a good job. I think making up a drug is good for this situation. Explain The way they explained it was bad. Because there potentially could be a drug that... If they said it blocked all of his adrenaline receptors... Or half of his adrenaline receptors or something like that. Or blocked the receptors on his heart. That could be one part of it. But the fact that they said it blocked the adrenal glands, the thing that makes your adrenaline... Yeah, that makes it... It's harder to kind of figure out how to make that work. Yeah. I think the only way it would work is if he went around with just a lifetime supply of EpiPens and just stabbing (laughs) him in the leg as he's going through the entire movie. It's like, oh, I'm running low on (laughs) EpiPens. Stab myself in the leg. He just got a bandolier. Yeah. Stealing from all these kids that just ate like a peanut butter cookie and can't handle it anymore and then just swipes it out and just stabs himself and runs off to the next caper. Writers of Crank 3, our email is podcast at gmail.com. If they're still working. <laughs> but yeah, that would be the only way I think it would be rel- like relatively interesting is if he did go around and just stole EpiPens from other people. Like, <laughs> Or coke. I mean, cocaine can t- potentially do it a little bit, but it's not going to do everything in this one. So yeah, it's it's a a flawed medically movie, but as Greg would say, it is a fun action movie. It is a classic. Yes, <laughs> but it does set us up for an, a future podcast for sure. I feel like yeah. we probably have to watch Crank Two. Yeah, I, I, like I think we do. I mean, as far as two Crank Two Lost, Crank Two Lost in New York. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Crank Two the Streets. Yep. Crank Two Electric Boogaloo. Crank two, crank harder. Yep. <laughs> live free or crank hard. Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, it would be the third one, so it would be live free. No, it would be uh, crank, crank hard with a vengeance. Yeah, crank. Yep. <laughs> that would be it. That would be the one. So yeah. All right. So anything else we need to add about Crank? No. Uh, it's a great like movie. You should it, watch it's it. It's a great yeah. movie. It's like uh, said, crank a lot of times. It is a hard R. It's a hard it's a R. Yeah. Hard, hard, hard R. I'm proud of you guys for keeping it a soft PG-13. Because um, he wasn't in the movie. Because no. he's not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, two things you can do to help us out. Number one, uh, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, number two... Uh, follow us on social media. Tell other people about the podcast. If you're on Overcast, which is a iTunes app, you can actually record a clip of the podcast and share it on your Instagram story. I just learned that today. It's really cool, so check that out. Cool. Uh, and otherwise, we will be back next Tuesday with another rockingly bad medicine movie. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back, guys. And thanks, Rick. Bye-bye. That was ridiculous.